But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm curious about your story because uh, you know there are so many members that I've seen throughout the years in uh, in Belvedere. Uh, I've been, you know, a member of the community for I don't know 25 years physically being or 20 years physically being there, and then you know I was a leader for a while and kind of getting back. But even after all those years, like I think I've only heard a handful of people's testimony or really knowing, um, you know, what's really, what really inspires people, you know, what's really like motivating people and um, yeah, why they're still around. And um, I just, I felt like a really strong desire. Like, I, I think I, I've had this idea. And I think a lot of people actually have had this idea of like, oh, we should, we should hear people's testimonies and we should, you know, get to know uh, where people are coming from. Um, but like, honestly, it's the song was, <laughs> the song was starting to get to me, start feeling yes. like, you know, like start hearing his testimonies at the song was ceremonies. I'm like, why didn't I know that these people were so amazing when they were around, you know, like, I mean, the only reason why I didn't is because I didn't do anything to take action on it. I didn't make effort to get to know these people and they, they were just, you know, kind of faces in the crowd of Belvedere. Um, but there's actually such amazing stories between behind each and every individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I personally believe that it's like stories that are going to be the new way of witnessing and expanding. Because even if you look at how things are in the self-development world and like the coaching world, like they're all talking about story-based marketing, you know, like the way you market now is you, you tell your story, people, you, you know, people feel a personal connection to you and then you connect them to what you teach. Right. Um, so, yeah, I feel, and I, I just feel like there's, you know, members have such amazing stories and we need to create a culture where the stories are valued, personal stories are valued. Cause I feel like, for a while, at least in some cases, personal stories or things being too personal was not encouraged all the time. Mm. I mean, I, I just remember, I, I'm just thinking about my own experience where, you know, sometimes people would tell me, oh, your, your, your sermons are too personal. It's, it's all about your story. Uh-uh. <laughs> like, you know, that was, that was my intention to share my story, honestly. Because, right. Um, I, my observation is that a majority of people are moved by, by personal stories more than anything, more than theology or, you know, concepts or ideas. It's like how people are actually living their lives and um, how people are being transformed by these, by these ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting because, you know, honestly, if uh, I remember once GPA asked me to share my testimony and I was so like stupid. Um, when I look back on it now, I feel almost embarrassed. I think, oh man, if I ever ran into any of those kids again, I hope they all forgot who I was because uh, I somehow I thought, I'm just so stupid. I somehow I thought, oh, they want to hear about me and my story. But, and that's true to some extent, but 
I think especially the fact that GPA asked, they really wanted to know about true parents too, right? Mm. I mean, I've had, uh, especially because I was in Ocean Church and Ocean Church was so small and father loved Ocean Church. I mean, a lot of us got to spend quite a bit of time at, I mean, a lot of the, you know, these captains and stuff, these, these elder brothers, they got to spend, I mean, a lot of time with your parents, but I was pretty mm. close in the periphery, you know, um, mm. father knew my name. He knew who I was. Mm. Um, and I, I kind of left out all that stuff. I, I just remember going on telling him about, I mean, just this really, you know, awful stuff. Oh yeah. I lived with this guy who was 30 something years old. I was 18, blah, blah, blah. but through it, I learned blah, blah, blah. I think back to that. I think, oh my God, what did I say to these kids? Um, though they knew I was honest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and when I look back probably now on my testimony, I think I kind of see some things very different. Um, just the mm. fact that I'm another, that was probably like 10 or 12 years ago. Mm. And the fact that I've grown, you know, I've still learned more and I have kids now who are their age. Mm. And I understand a little bit more about what, you know, what I think they're interested in or what would be a, mm. not appropriate, but, uh, you know, what they're really interested in hearing and stuff too. So even if you listen to people's testimonies probably over the years, they share different things, right? Or yeah, yeah, uh, sure. I like different things, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, my testimony change changes every time I, I tell it, depending on the audience and how much time I've got and all that stuff. Yes. You, know? you gotta kind yeah. of pick and choose the details that yeah. you can share. But uh yeah, why don't we get started? If you don't mind, just uh yeah, sharing, sharing with me, like, I mean, I'm curious about, like, how, uh, you know, how, I mean, how, how were you witness to, you know, tell me about that story. Okay, yeah. I mean, for me, it was, I was so totally set up by Spirit World. Um, mm. It was almost like I didn't have a choice to join or not. It was just like my destiny. And I think, actually, I didn't really join the church. I didn't really, like, join with my whole brain and whole heart till maybe three years later when mm. I really wanted to leave and I decided to stay. I, I think that's mm. when I joined. My ancestors had me join in 1980 <laughs> and I was just set up. You know, I, I grew up in Hawaii and it's a very spiritual place. And I was, mm. you know, Honestly, looking back, I think I was actually quite flaky. And um, I mean, I, I would always say I was spiritually led, but I mean, I think I was pretty flaky too. I, I didn't really have a plan. I, I mean, I was spiritually oriented. Money and jobs and education, those things weren't important to me at all. I, I wanted mm -hmm. to be happy and mm -hmm. I was really curious about love. And I was really mixed up between love and sex, you know. Um, and, but somehow I had this, as much as I got hurt, I still kept going. I somehow mm -hmm. had 
thick skin, which can be a blessing and a curse, you know, maybe allows you to keep going, but also you don't, um, you lose some kind of sensitivity that mm. I don't know if you ever get it back really, you know, mm. but um, yeah. So anyway, I, uh, I grew up on Oahu, which is the main Island. And at one point I just said, this is not the place for me. I, I moved to Kauai, which is a smaller, more rural place, but also even more, I was really surrounded by spiritual people there. And at one point when I was about 20, I decided, you know, living in Hawaii, you meet so many tourists. So I, I met people from all over the United States mm. and I would like take care of them and show them, you know, you know, help them explore Hawaii while they're on vacation. And everybody always said, to, oh, you got to look me up when you get to the mainland. So when I was uh, actually, I was, I must have been. 18 or 19, I decided to go to the mainland and see what was there and go visit mm. all these people. Mm. And yeah, I, I spent about six months traveling mm. and finally just had to go back home. So mm. I went back to Hawaii, but just something inside of me said, no, you, you have to go back again. And <laughs> I, I had a list of spiritual communities I was going to visit. I had a list, an actual list of places and a plan. I was going to fly to LA, go visit this one group and check them out. And then I was going to get on a bus and go to Oregon and go visit this other group. And I had mm -hmm. this whole map across the United States plotted and I was going to decide which community to join. So <laughs> the Moonies weren't on my list. Uh, they weren't on your list. <laughs> no. I, I had kind of read something about this Korean man who brainwashes people, but it hadn't really stuck the name or anything. And um, so anyway, I had gone back to Hawaii, worked in a restaurant to save my money. And as soon as I had 500 bucks in my pocket, I was gone again. So um, I was on the leg of my journey from LA going up to Oregon, um, to go to this next place and um i was on a bus and yeah i was on a bus that came into san francisco and i had about six hours before my bus left so i decided to uh, take a stroll through to fisherman's wharf and it's funny because i was actually born in san francisco my dad was in the Navy. I was born in San Francisco, but we'd only we only lived there a couple months after I was born. And this is the first time I ever went back. Mm. And um, so I, I was just going to go walk around in the city until I, you know, my next bus left. Mm. And I was probably half a block out of the bus station. And I had on this goofy hat that I wore when I traveled. It was like a baseball cap, but it had these lightning bolts on it. <laughs> and uh i was wearing my you know traveling cap mm. and walking down market street and this guy came up to me and he said wow i like that hat where'd you get that hat <laughs> and i just remember looking at him and thinking 
you are so straight laced. You would never wear a hat like this. So why are you asking me about my hat? But I loved my hat. And so if he liked my hat, well, I'll tell him about my hat. So, you know, and um, the other funny thing that I remember is he was with a, a woman. So they were together. So I just assumed they're a couple, but yet she never really talked. And anytime I always thought it's weird. Why doesn't he let, let his wife talk? Why is he doing all the talking? He doesn't let his wife talk. So then he'd ask me a question, but I'd answer her and I'd ask her, what do you think? And if I ever asked her what she thought, she'd just go and look at him. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. but they were interested in me and they yeah, listened yeah. to what I had to say. And I, I told them I'm traveling around the country to, uh, you know, meet people and tell them about God, because I was on a journey and I, God had taught me a lot and I was happy to share it, mm. you know, and so they got all excited to yeah. meet me. That's and I was actually fasting that day. So they invited me to lunch and I said, well, I'm fasting, but I'll go with you, you know, and you can tell me about what you're doing. Oh. And uh, like I said, I was set up. I was set up by Spirit oh. World. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my Wait, who, who were so they? I, uh, Tim Henry, who lives, he's in Minnesota now. Tim and Vicki Henry live in Minnesota. And uh, he was the sister that was there. Is, her name is Sue White. She's in New Zealand. She mm. lives in New Zealand. She has a Japanese husband whose name, Hosokawa, is her last name now. Mm. Yeah. Do you know why and she I, She was a brand new member. Ah, she was a brand new. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, she'd only been a member for a few months, and I think she was scared to death that she would say the wrong thing, or you know, because in yeah. Oakland the witnessing was very, you know, you you never talk about this, only say this, and um, there was a very specific way to do it, you know, mm. and uh, I think she was just worried she'd say the wrong thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tim was an old pro. He has many spiritual children. And uh, he's also, I mean, he's not just a professional witnesser. He's really a sincere, really loving brother, which mm. made it very easy for me to trust him and connect to him. Mm. Right. Yeah. Very cool. But uh, yeah, that was about it. And then I was, uh, you know, in camp, the, the, you go up to, they called it, you go to the land, you go up to camp. And within a week, I mean, I just knew this is where God wanted me to be. Mm. And, um, you know, when I, when I, back in those days, of course, they didn't tell you about father up front. Um, it was about a week in, I guess, a week and a half. And I, I remembered in the back of my mind, oh, that's the name of that guy. You know, that's that guy who brainwashes people, right? But and I remember asking myself, Are you brainwashed? And I thought, No, these people are so good. These people are so good. I, I trusted my spiritual dad so much, he was so trustworthy. Unlike most men that I had known, he was just so good. And he, he wasn't trying to take anything from me, he was just giving. And uh, something I still thank him for, he's actually not so close to the church anymore. 
but mm-hmm. I still, every once in a while, when I think of him, I'll still send him a note and tell him thank you mm-hmm. that I'm so grateful he talked to me that day. Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I joined pretty easy, was there in Oakland for maybe two or three months, and then I got shipped off to MS. Got it. So you said that like you after about three years, you you kind of were struggling about whether or not you want to stay or not. Yeah, I I mean it was really tough. I was in Ocean Church by then. I was in Kodiak, and I mean Kodiak was tough. Um, it was really tough. Uh, I was the only sister in Ocean Church, and it was funny because. Um, uh, I mean, father sent me to Kodiak. Uh, we, we had come together for an ocean church workshop, a 40 day workshop after, um, uh, died. And, um, so this is like in January of 1980. Oh my God. This is so long ago. 1984. No, 83. It was 83 or 84. Uh, I can't remember which, Um, Mm. but uh, after the 40 day workshop where we, you know, we did lecture training, we did street preaching, we fundraised and we had lots and lots of lectures and then we're sent out right to the different ocean church centers. There was about a dozen ocean church centers around the country Mm. um, to witness and to, you know, Ocean Church was meant to witness. And as, as through, the, through the fishing, really attract young people who are interested in adventure and opportunities. Mm. It was a model that kind of just couldn't work, though. I mean, none of us realized that at the time. But looking back, it was just as all these laws were changing in America that you couldn't sport sell your sport caught fish you know that's what father said go fishing then sell your fish and that let that finance your activities because running those boats is a very very expensive thing to do and um uh you know it was it was almost like an impossible model Mm -hmm. but uh from that workshop father sent me to kodiak i was the only sister who went up there with three brothers and we get to kodiak and we're told you can't witness because it's such a small little place. And the town was super negative uh, about, you know, uh, the Moonies arriving and buying up all these fish plants and stuff. So don't tell people who you are kind of. So all this stuff we'd been preparing for, we couldn't do. And um, it was just, there wasn't really much to do here we're moonies you never stop moving right you're a moonie you just go day and night right witnessing fundraising and here we couldn't do anything and it was february or march and it was too cold to go out on the good goes and there really wasn't a whole lot going on mm. um but by that summer um mr che was the uh korean central figure he was actually a 36 blessed couple and he actually had other ocean church members come up too and he had us all working for the um, company, uh, International Seafoods of Alaska, he trained us to be fish buyers and sent us out. And uh, I was in this little 
village called Igigik out in the Bristol Bay. And mm-hmm. we had just bought this, we had bought out this other company that was there to buy fish. Mm-hmm. And it was tough, Justin. It was, you know, the central figures, there was two brothers in charge and they fought like dogs and cats. And mm-hmm. there was me and about eight Japanese sisters. And, mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty lonely and pretty tough. And it mm-hmm. was a tough atmosphere with fishermen that were, drinking too much and uh you know looking for love and mm-hmm. it was really a tough place to be mm-hmm. and uh there wasn't a lot of we didn't give a lot of mercy to each other you know mm-hmm. we didn't i don't think we i think the japanese sisters did okay cuz they probably just they worked together and held on to each other and supported each mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. um I was working with an American brother and we were gone from our camp a lot of the time um, buying fish. That was our mission was Mm -hmm. we'd drive in a truck up and down the beach and buy fish from um, these people fishing on the beach. Mm -hmm. It was very physical, very, there wasn't a whole lot of church involved and people knew we were the Moonies and teased us, but, because I threw myself into the mission, people really actually trusted us and respected us. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, it was spiritually, it was just, it was just really, really challenging. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really want to go into any more detail than that, but it was sure. just a tough yeah. environment and uh, mm. we were young and naive and there wasn't a lot of spiritual protection. Mm, right. um, but so you uh, said like like at one point you kind of recommitted yourself like you you, you just yeah I had I just really it was just very challenging there I just didn't want to stay anymore I was mm. really losing my faith uh just in the environment there and uh my my ocean church central figure um his name was David Lowe he was back in Kodiak and I just somehow, I mean, these places are all so remote. You can't drive anywhere. There's no phones. Somehow I got on a radio and got this message to him that I need to get out of here, you know? And so somehow he finagled it for me to fly out and come back to Kodiak. And um, I don't know if he ever really understood what was going on, but he, he got me out of there and that was good. Mm. And um, we did like all these little extra fishing trips. I'm sure actually father was in town or something, which Mm. was really hard to be around true parents when you just felt like everything inside, you know, Mm. but, um, and then that winter, instead of staying in Kodiak, I went down South and worked with uh, Kevin Thompson, who was leading the ocean church uh, witnessing team. And through Kevin, I think I could kind of find my footing again. And even Mm. though I felt like I hadn't been a good unificationist and I'd really messed up, uh, you know, that 
he really helped me find my footing again. And um, I could just really recommit and yeah, really feel like I joined, you know? Mm. Yeah, this, you know, it was funny. I was already blessed then. I got, everybody thinks just all the first gen got blessed when they're 35. I got blessed when I was 22. And Mm. um, of course it was very different then. We didn't always, you know, we didn't live with our spouses right away, mm, but yeah. um, here if, at, you know, three years after I joined, I'm already blessed, but that that's when I actually feel like I really joined and um, really, instead of just getting kind of carried a- around on this wave of enthusiasm and joy, like we mm-hmm. often do, right? Even in GPA mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. I, I feel like I hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't leave. I somehow felt, I, I found God in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I found God at the bottom and true parents there you know Mm. as parents just ready to love us no matter what Mm. and through feeling that love and forgiveness you know then i think too in that misery i could really repent for everything i don't know if i'd actually ever really reckon with my Mm. past i was so carried along in oakland by you know the love and support there that I don't think I had to really reckon with Mm. who I'd been and what I'd done but Mm. through that difficulty a few years later who knows maybe I couldn't have done it you know when I was younger Mm. but uh you know really found God there and and uh Dr. Young has said stuff in his morning devotion that he's amazed by the American members who are still around after all the you know, garbage we've been through with true children and, uh, you know, cause we were eyewitnesses to it. Right. I mean, mm. I don't want to, I'm not blaming them. We yeah, all sure. got, we, I, in fact, I mean, I've, I've got so much junk in my past that I understand a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, what they've had to deal yeah. with or whatever. But, um, but he said the only people who've made it are people. It, it's because true parents raised you up directly, and I, I really think that has something to do with, um, you know, the people who are still around. Which God knows, there's not a whole lot of us that are like totally engaged or yeah. still excited. Hmm. But I, I that I made sense to me. I thought, oh yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is. We actually got to work so close to true parents and realized that he was not in, in this for himself. He wasn't getting goodies out of this. Um, he really believed this stuff. He really believed it and he committed himself to it and he didn't give up. And so if he didn't, how can I, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, like I can't, imagine like being really working with true father you know seeing it seeing it firsthand like everything 
for I think a lot of us second gen is, is it's really secondhand, you know, it's from our parents. It's from what we've experienced just at the local community or some workshop where we heard something, but yeah, like you could see that and you can experience the truth of, you know, his heart, true father, true mother's heart and that they're the real deal. And yeah, when you experience that. No, you know, in Kodiak, we had such a chance to, uh, yeah, be close to father. First of all, we felt connected to him because we're the captains, right? We're taking care of his guests. Like every summer in Kodiak, I mean, I'd work as a fish buyer. And then when the salmon season would finish, I'd come back to Kodiak and uh, help uh, with taking care of whatever guests were there. And Mr. Che always made me actually, often I was the captain of the uh, camera boat. And um, it would, Mr. Che would come on my boat, which this was amazing too, because, you know, none of these Asian guys wanted to be on the sister's boat. The, the sister captain, obviously they were never going to catch a fish. They were never going to, you know, <laughs> this is a real thing, even among our members, you know, they, even though I was following father's direction to become a boat captain and stuff. But Mr. Che was different. He would come on my boat. And um, so I was often the captain of the camera boat. There was a brother named Dan Weigel who would be the cameraman. And our job was to just tail father's boat and all day long be there to take pictures, take video of father. And um, it wasn't easy because, you know, you couldn't disturb father's fishing, but you had to be right as close as we could get. Mm. And, um, but I could be there all day and watch father all day. You know, Ocean Church is a blessing in that it wasn't just a public event. You know, you're there, you're out on the boat, maybe in Kodiak in the summer when the sun's out all day, you were out as long as the sun was. So mm. maybe 15 or 16 or 17 hours. And you could watch father and you could see he didn't take it easy. You know, he was always working, always, you know, doing something, not just sleeping or, you know, he was walking the talk. And mm. even though the kitchen sisters would make these incredibly beautiful, heavenly creations of sushi and sashimi, and fill up his lunchbox, you know, at the end of the day, as the captains gathered at midnight to clean the boats while father and all his guests went back to East Garden for him to speak to them for the remainder of the night, we'd, we'd hit, we'd clean up father's boat and there's the lunchbox and almost all the food would still be there and we'd eat it all. <laughs> we got to eat it. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, that, that was really... It was, it, it was miserable, you know, Ocean Church wasn't fun. It was hard work and it was cold and you never knew if you might die a lot of times. Mm. Our, our members did die, mm. but you got to be close to your parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sounds so funny to say that, but you know, yeah, right. yeah. Do yeah. mm. you have any like uh, kind of stories of true parents that kind of any vivid memories that you have? Um, you know, again, probably the stories that I remember have changed over the years. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, sure. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, something I told my kids just the other day, I had this memory, you know, for as amazing as father is, you know, I remember after I moved to New York and we'd go on Sunday mornings to Belvedere to see father, I would always be there really early and be one of those crazy people running to sit right in the front row. So I was always in the first or second row at Belvedere. Mm. And I remember one morning I was in the front and father's up there speaking. And, you know, if you're, you considered yourself lucky if he wrapped you on the head, right. Or poked you in the forehead or something. And I remember one day he's up there speaking strongly and as he was speaking, you know, as he spoke, some spit like flew out of his mouth and landed on me, right? And he leaned down and go, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know? wow. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing. Here he is, yeah. this guy who commands, you know, we see him, we put him up on such a high pedestal. We bow to him, you know, he, he gathers together leaders from politics, from, you know, the news world, from the religious world, from, you know, re religious scholars, all these people. And yet he made a little spit on me and he's so apologetic. And, mm. you know, I just, that blew me away. So interesting. Huh. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I'm just curious, like how how did it feel being that close to to father? Like, did yeah, you it feel was really, or like, well, it depended on where your heart's at, right? Because mm -hmm. if your heart's in a good place, you're there, you're his child, and you're just mm -hmm. there, and you're absorbing every word, even you feel it in your pores, right? Mm -hmm. If you're if maybe you've been struggling or, you know, just having a hard time and we get so, for example, that first summer when I'd been really having a hard time, um, here I go back to Kodiak and father's in town and he, he announces we're gonna have this fishing tournament. So we all go out uh, uh, on the Ocean Hope One which was the biggest boat that we had. It was about 110 feet long. So a whole bunch of people, all these brothers and sisters from Kodiak there to serve. And then all the guests at the time pile on this boat. We take a fleet of good goes out and we're off in some anchored off some area in Kodiak. And we have a three day fishing tournament, right? Father challenges everybody to go out and catch a big halibut. And every day, so we'd go out in the good goes, we'd go out fishing like probably six or seven people on each boat. And then we'd come back in for lunch and for dinner. And it'd be like this picnic with true parents on the back deck of the Ocean Hope One. Um, but because of where I was at and this struggle I had, it was just like a torture to even be there close to them. And it, it's so funny when you're like stuck in yourself, father looks at you and you just feel shame. Like, oh, I want to hide. I, I don't even want to be here. 
but it's not father who's making it's it's where you're at you know it's a reflection of where you're at so being close to parents could be a torture or it could be sheer joy like when you're in the right space and you just you're there to just receive you know it it kind of more depends on where we're at not where father was at certainly yeah yeah that makes sense yeah but yet yeah but yet you could always you know satan can make trick you and make you think like oh look he he knows you don't deserve to be here and Mm. but it's nonsense you know it's just utter nonsense and Mm. um yeah, it was more like where you were at with your own thinking, not how father was treating you or father's attitude toward you. Mm. So it could be a torture or a blessing, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I totally get it. I, I feel that way towards Dr. Young sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you just got to kind of realize this isn't true. This Even these thoughts right. that I'm having, they're not true. Right. He loves right. me. He right. loves right. me. He's like my father. He loves me. He appreciates me and all this other nonsense is just gotta, I'll, I'll make a better condition next time so that it's not bothering me. Mm. You know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, I a few more questions, um, but I, 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 yeah, I'm also, I'm just worried about the time, but uh, yeah. One of the questions is just like, what, like what keeps you going, uh, you know, I mean, until now and, and, and right now, you know, like there's still challenges that come up in the, in the movement, but um, you know, you're still around. And as you said, not just around, but you're, you're kind of fully in it. And yeah, I'm just curious, like what, what keeps you fully in it? Yeah. I don't, sometimes I'm more cynical than others. I might give you a different answer, you know, like, uh, I mean, I've invested so much in this, right? I've invested so much in this, but um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I guess I, I, I've, I am so lucky to know true parents. How many people go their whole life without ever meeting somebody they could believe in absolutely mm-hmm. you know yeah and i met somebody like that i mm-hmm. met somebody like that and to where he he changed my life to where i want to be that kind of person who has integrity no matter what mm-hmm. no matter what no matter where mm-hmm. no matter who i'm with you know mm-hmm. um and I love the understanding the principle gives us that we can, we just never stop growing, right? We, there's always a chance to learn more and do more. And even during the times that I've gotten upset or whatever, I felt like, you know, anywhere I go, the, the limitations that I meet are my own. They're not from true parents. So I'm going to run into these limitations wherever I go. I may as well stay here and keep investing here because, uh, you know, look at the community we have. There's people from all over the world, even if it is just us trying to work things out, you know, 
of course, our idealistic selves, we know that us, like even you and me, if we can somehow go beyond generations and communicate and appreciate each other and have a great relationship, we really feel like this represents, you know, in our society, people having similar breakthroughs, right? Mm. Even if that's not true, I'm so grateful for what we've done in our community because, uh, I mean, where else are you going to go and see people, you know, white Americans, Asian Americans, Africans, African Americans who really do, again, trust each other and call each other brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, Still, I think sometimes we don't understand each other. And who knows if we ever can, we all come from such different backgrounds, but Mm. yet we still trust each other and extend each other the best, Mm. you know, that even if I can't understand you, it doesn't matter because you're still, you're my brother. Mm. And uh, I hope I can be worthy of that, you know, Mm. and maybe in other Christian churches, maybe, maybe I hope that's going on in other places too. I'm sure it, it has to be. I know it is, but I don't need to go look for it. I found it already. I found mm-hmm. that in our community. Right, right. And I'm motivated too because my children, I want them to stay at it. And there's no way I can expect them to pursue a life of faith if I'm not. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I. Yeah, I'm not interested in the other things out there right now. I'm interested in making my way uh, in our mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I think that's true. That if we can overcome the barriers in our heart, that I'm sure you, we're not the only ones that feel that. You know, like there's a there's an age gap here right yeah <laughs> you know, but and it's not normal it wouldn't i don't think it's normal in society for people of different ages different you know different just different experiences um to have a desire to really want to like create a relationship and communicate and be together um so i do i do feel like if we can do it it can inspire others and and, and, and it's, you know, because it's us not just talking about things, but we're actually putting it into practice and, you know, we're challenging ourselves in a way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> it takes effort, you know, it really does. Like, No, but it's so amazing, right? That we, the more you invest in life, I mean, you got to find your thing that you're going to invest in, mm. but hopefully even as like, you know what I really love about our church that sometimes I think we kind of lose sight of so there was a place for somebody like me who was a little rough around the edges you know maybe it was Ocean Church Ocean Church was such a collection of oddball characters I mean I guess probably all areas of our church were but I mean there are some really interesting types who maybe came up came and went or have stuck it out and again we aren't as rough around the edges now as we used to be but within this movement there were businessmen fishermen we had scholars we had 
uh, nice serving sisters who could really show you an example of a mother's heart. There was room for everybody. And that's what I sometimes feel stifled by that I get this idea that I'm being told we all have to be the same or we all have to do things one way or have the same goal. And I don't know if it exactly looks like that, you know, but because um, God, God doesn't expect all of us to be the same. He gave each one of us different gifts, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so sometimes I feel kind of constrained by that. But um, yeah, we do want to be able to make this, make sure we take this narrow path and try to make it as broad as we can so that mm-hmm. even maybe those businessmen who aren't the most spiritual can still find their way here mm-hmm. or you know the religious people who aren't so practical can still kind of find their way here mm-hmm. that we can really make space for everybody because with our second gen I mean not everybody's just this religious spiritually oriented person mm-hmm. but we've got to make room for everybody and make sure they know mm-hmm. their they can be comfortable and appreciated mm. here. We, we mm. have to make that happen. We have to, all the stuff that we did and crazy stuff we sacrificed to now say to our own children, no, you can't come in till you do this or that. That doesn't make any sense, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, we're all, we're all learning also how to how to deal with it <laughs> you know i think we're all we're all struggling a little bit with that but um yeah and yeah it's it's all like it's father put all the different characters and cultures and everything just put it all together in in a bucket and see what happens and it's our it's our role to kind of figure it out along the way i think but yeah but we're committed you know i think that's the important point is like we're all committed to figuring it out and not not jumping yeah. out when it gets hard. Yeah, I mean, I admire your parents so much. I admire them for what they do. I, I love how your mom and dad work together to teach the principal, you mm. know, and how they still have spiritual children. And, you know, for me, my biggest um, probably regret and thing that I feel sorry about is that, you know, is witnessing. I struggle so much with witnessing. And I hear Dr. Young say, you struggle with witnessing because you're, uh, ah, he just said it the other day, you don't have a longing heart. Uh, And, you know, it's interesting because in some ways I kind of get that. Um, But I'm I'm not going to give up, but I'm not going to stop, though. I'm not going to be first in line to go out witnessing either. to be honest (laughs) Um, it's interesting I I I mean I feel similar like I don't feel that compelling that I don't know something doesn't compel me to go out but I love I do love preaching I I love you know it put me in front of some Christian pastors like my parents gave me the opportunity on Sunday and I yeah how did that go oh it went it went great you know I was able to share you know, biblically based God's heart, basically, like taking, you know, what Dr. Young's been talking about, about God's 
kind of sorrowful heart. And I was able to share that just using Bible quotes. And I was able to introduce true parents to them in, in a very, um, yeah, powerful way. At least that was my, what my mom said. She said she felt like I really had a talent of talking about true parents in a way that was um, kind of like they could not get upset about it or they couldn't, they, they couldn't persecute it because it's just, it was just my personal feeling about true parents, about how they, they changed my life and they're okay. my role models, you know? Yes. Uh, I wasn't, I, mean, I didn't call them Messiah or anything. It was just, they taught me about God's love and, you know, they taught me about Jesus and because of them, I, I know what true love is. Um, and, you know, I shared about how true father overcame incredible persecution and, and at the end of it, yeah, people like a lot of the Christian pastors, they, they were saying like, uh, they really, they were really moved by it. And they're actually saying like, they're, one of the Christian pastors said he was really grateful about how I talked about father and mother moon. <laughs> so that was interesting. Oh, that's great, Justin. Yeah. I mean, to even just to meet a young man who, you know, has a burning faith um, that he wants to pursue, not just part-time or something. I mean, just that in itself is such an incredible witness. Um, it's so powerful, mm. more than you can imagine. You mm. know, you set their hearts afire because they're wishing, they're all wishing they had somebody like you in their congregation. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. So I hope that, that that's the way I can be used by God, you know, is being a, being a mouthpiece when, when it's needed. <laughs> I think I can show up. Yes. Maybe I'll, I'll let, you know, the Facebook algorithm find me a crowd. <laughs> that's kind of what I have my fingers crossed for. <laughs> Real, utilize technology for that. But I think that's where we're headed. Yeah. Anyway. This has been great. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I, I, I was just really moved by, by your testimony. And, and uh, yeah, I'm just happy to get to know you more, I think. I mean, I, I've always liked you. I, I've always thought you were a really great aunt. And um, I remember back when I was assistant pastor before, you know, I used to always like hug people as they would come in, which is scary for me because I didn't I never knew who 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 was okay with it and who wasn't but to me it was it was a condition it was like Jung Sung for me <laughs> it was like God wants to hug people so just do it <laughs> that was my mindset always yes but uh I always remember you know I remember you saying like oh I you, you said like oh this is so nice I appreciate this and I was like oh I'm so glad somebody <laughs> appreciated <it." laughs> Felt so comforted by that. So, yeah. so I'm just, yeah, I'm glad I can know your story a lot more. And, um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But we really do have to, you know, work on the future. It's uh, the past 40 years ago is for last year was my 40th spiritual birthday. And mm. I thought, I mean, plus my memory is not so great anymore. <laughs> I mean, we want to have these testimonies, right? It's really great to read these testimonies from early members, but yeah, we got to figure out how, how we're going to go forward. And I, I I'm grateful we got Dr. Young because 
he's just lighting this fire that's building this heavenly atmosphere among us again. It's reminding us of why why we signed up, you know, and uh, and what our dream was to accomplish. But now it's so much better because there's all people like you around. It's not just, you know, we, we've got a couple layers deep now. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the kids in the morning are on there, you know, our third generation. So this is real. We did it. We got the ball rolling. That was the hard part was to move the stone and start it rolling. And as hard as it seems now, it's easier and the ball's already moving. We just gotta keep it moving and time is on our side. The longer this Mm -hmm. keeps going, the more people will join in and the more substance we have and the more history we have. And um, that I'm really confident of, you know, Mm -hmm. father, father didn't do this for nothing and mother's not doing this for nothing. Um, and I, I'm glad we have Dr. Young reminding us of that every day. Right. Yeah. And I think that's probably part of why he can make such big goals is because he, he kind of gets that. <laughs> like, but they know. are pretty big, scary goals, aren't they? <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. And, yes. Uh, yes, Justin. Yeah. So I, about that, um, you know, email about the, um, the local level Famicon, Mm -hmm. I I think it's great, especially if we tell people about it more than a day ahead, but I'm probably not going to be so involved. Um, just because while I'm down here, I still have to work. I'm not actually taking a break from work. I'm still working Mm -hmm. all day, every day, but, Mm -hmm. uh, I do want to give some attention to my parents while I'm down here. So Mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to be signing up for so many meetings and stuff in the evening sure yeah that's okay i'll um i'll take care of it (laughs) okay and i just want to tell you how grateful i am uh you know to have you on board as assistant pastor uh the energy in that last council call um was just amazing and um it's just amazing as a count you know the council people don't get elected to the council to necessarily be the workers doing everything. That's not (laughs) the deal, but it seems to have somehow somebody's got the idea that that's what the deal is, but the council isn't there to create and do everything. Um, Though everybody on the council is involved in something, you know, I I'm working with uh, Yuki and uh, up and coming of course, Noah's doing all the lecturing and stuff that he's doing. Um, Dominic takes care of a bajillion things around. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's involved in something. But, uh, you know, it is a pretty willing group of people who, once there's, within the paid staff, the, with somebody like you, they've got somebody to rally around and support. And um, mm-hmm. we can get amazing things going. I know we can. Mm, yeah absolutely yeah yeah i i hope that like uh you know anybody who's in the council i i just hope it can be a very joyful experience and that everything that uh, people do they do it you know out of joy and anything that they don't want to do like (laughs) 
we should just you know hire someone from Asia to do it. <laughs> so that's always my answer. <laughs> It's like, there's just so many resources out there, actually, that, like, we don't realize, you know, like, cause it's a global world now. And, you know, especially yeah. in this COVID, like, you don't even need somebody, you don't even need to hire somebody in the same country. And so I, I feel very, I feel like a new person from four years ago. I think, like, the, the, the experience being, like, an entrepreneur and, uh, figuring things out gave me a lot of new perspective on life. Um, at the same time, I always knew that that wasn't what I was made to do on the world, to be an entrepreneur and make a bunch of money. So I, I feel like uh, that was all just training for what's to come right now. And, yeah. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hold the fort and I'll be back in a week or so. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll take it from there. Okay. But, uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing. This is great. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> okay. All right, God bless. I'll talk okay. to you soon. All right. Bye, bye, Justin. All right.